0: Welcome to New Dimension, where we analyze how some of the video game industry's biggest franchises transitioned from 2D to 3D. Arcades aside, Sega lagged behind its console competition in the 80s until 1991, when it finally discovered its first mascot, Sonic the Hedgehog. Using the Genesis's Ballyhooed blast processing, the blue spiny mammal tears through side-scrolling levels at blistering speed, making his game stand out. Sonic is one of the major reasons Sega's Genesis overtook the Super Nintendo in the early portion of the 16-bit console wars. For over 25 years, Sega has struggled to parlay that success into the third dimension. But why? In this episode, we'll look at the true appeal of Sonic's 2D games and how various 3D entries have tried to emulate it with mixed results. Come on, Sonic, we need to get busy. Like most 16-bit games, the 2D Sonic games have a fairly simple story. In Sonic 1, Dr. Robotnik, who is now known as Eggman, takes over an island and turns all the animals into robots to help him search for mythical stones with immense power called Chaos Emeralds. Sonic must save the animals and recover the emeralds for himself. However, almost all of this is communicated through the game's instruction manual. There is almost no storytelling in the game itself. Sonic 2 has a very similar story that's told in the exact same way. But at least we do get the debut of his sidekick, Tails. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is where the storytelling really expands into something tangible. The full story requires two cartridges locked together to be told. And for the first time ever, there are short cutscenes between each level to keep moving the plot forward. Knuckles also has his own storyline in the combined game, where he's fighting a Sonic robot. It's the first time Sonic's story is told within the actual game, instead of a synopsis in a manual. Oh yeah, this could be fun! When moving to 3D with the Sonic Adventure games, the scope of the story is vastly expanded. You see the pros from multiple points of view, all running in parallel. In the first Sonic Adventure, Dr. Eggman frees a mythical water god with immense power. His subsequent quest to find Chaos Emeralds intersects with the various characters trying to do the same. The entire cast also has flashbacks to ancient times as the game tries to explain the backstory. But I'm still not sure what it all means. Sonic Adventure 2, on the other hand, simplifies the story structure in some aspects, but also complicates things with Sonic's black doppelganger, Shadow. The cops are blaming Sonic for Shadow's misdeeds, so he and Tails must avoid the authorities. Now I know what's going on! The military has mistaken me for the likes of you! The basic plot is simple, but Shadow's hijinks add some semblance of complexity, and you get to play both sides of the conflict. So while the plots in the 3D Sonic games have more nuance, they're still very simple. I promise you, revenge! The biggest changes appear in how the stories are told, The presentation of the story in both Sonic Adventure games include tons of in-game cutscenes with full voice acting. You can also watch the same cutscenes from multiple perspectives, which is a neat way to show the disparate plots coming together as a whole. The problem is that the cinematics are very rough. The hand-animated movement is stiff, and the facial animation doesn't even come close to matching the voice acting. So what do you say, Sonic? Let's find the Chaos Emeralds before Eggman does. Sonic Adventure 2 is a bit better in this regard, but it's still not great. What are you talking about? That emerald's line! After the Sonic Adventure games, the plots become more complex until the infamous Sonic the Hedgehog from 2006 thinks it's OK for a hedgehog to have a relationship with a human. After this massive flop, subsequent 3D Sonic games drastically simplify their stories and only follow a single narrative. Dr. Eggman has destroyed the world, and Sonic must save everyone. Is everyone OK? thanks to you. This simpler premise avoids potential awkwardness, but the tone is all over the place. Sonic Forces' mature story, where Sonic is defeated and the world devolves into war, is so ridiculous it feels like a parody. Sonic is gone, Amy, and Tails, is, Tails has just lost it. The production values continue to improve with each new release, but still fall well below the line when compared to most story-driven video game franchises while speed is certainly important to Sonic games. In the early releases, branching paths in the level design are almost as paramount. Every level includes points where you can choose which direction to go, with each having its own specific obstacles and layout. Generally, the higher path jacks up the speed and requires split-second reflexes to complete. The lower path is usually slower, but includes a lot more enemies, platforms, and hazards to navigate. This level design philosophy expands over the original trilogy, with a couple exceptions like Marble Zone in the first game. In Sonic 3, there are giant rings hidden in each stage that hide the special stages you need to complete to get the best ending. The game also includes multiple playable characters for the first time. Since Tails can fly into new areas Sonic can't reach, the level design must be tweaked to accommodate. Knuckles can also break certain walls, which leads to entirely new paths and even new boss encounters. The ideal of branching paths takes a while to manifest in 3D. The Sonic levels in the first Sonic Adventure in particular almost always have just one intended path to the goal. Yes. The sequel generally has a high path and a low path for most of its speed focus stages, though they merge more often than the 2D games. This is likely a byproduct of its new ranking system, where you are encouraged to complete levels as quickly as possible while defeating enemies and scooping up rings. That leads to one of the fundamental dilemmas with 3D Sonic games. It takes exponentially more resources and skill to create levels in 3D. This is even more of a challenge as technology improves and player expectations increase. Since one of the primary tenets of Sonic's gameplay is being able to speed through each stage as quickly as possible, a lot of work is required for something players go past without much reflection. Finishing the 2D Sonic games in a couple hours makes sense in 1992, but in the modern age, players expect games to be much longer. Therefore, many of Sonic's modern 3D games are padded with multiple characters that require you to play each stage multiple times, often at much slower speeds. Sonic Adventure includes six different playable characters that give you a variety of ways to play through a stage. Characters like Sonic follow the traditional linear route, while more versatile characters like Tails, Amy, or Big the Cat are deployed to take shortcuts, complete more puzzle-focused zones, or just catch some fish. I got a fish! It truly expands the possibilities over the 2D games, but it also requires much more complex level design, and therefore work. Found it! While in the 2D games, each stage is just given to you and you have no agency over what you play, in the move to 3D, Sonic Adventure introduces an overworld. The catch is that you have to find each level in the overworld, and clues can be a little too ambiguous. You must find the Chaos Emerald, but searching in the jungle is very difficult. Without a guide, you're left to bumble around, and even if you know where to go, the overworld itself is confusing to navigate. So which is the superior design? That's likely up to personal taste. Where's this? Sonic Adventure 2 also includes six playable characters, but they take an addition by subtraction approach with just three primary styles. Sonic and Shadow blaze through each stage, Knuckles and Rouge treasure hunt, while Tails and Eggman pilot mechs. Despite the streamlined approach, there is actually more level variety. Sonic Adventure 2 also ditches the overworld in favor of a linear progression from one level to the next. We can find it! Right Knuckles? What? Why do I have to find the key? You can also replay levels with different win conditions, such as collecting 100 rings or finding a secret area with a lost chow. I found them! The most recent 3D games split the difference by including levels that are played from both 3D and 2D perspectives. The 3D zones are mostly linear and built around blasting through enemies and navigating through obstacles at high speed. The 2D segments generally expand upon the multiple path concept from the early 2D games. The collectible red rings found in each zone provide an incentive to explore each level that isn't found in the 2D games, or even most of the Adventure-era games. The modern games also embrace Sonic Adventure 2's extra missions, but take them even further. They are sliced up into smaller chunks, but feature added elements and their own unique goals. You generally have to complete a handful of extra missions to progress the story, but you can also play through them to unlock new abilities and bonus materials. The way you access levels also changes from game to game. Some just use a generic world map, while others include a more streamlined hub world, where you need to do light platforming to get to each zone entrance. Sonic Frontiers takes this to the extreme, since a gigantic open-hub world is the primary focus, while the more intricately designed roller coaster style levels are tucked away for players to find. The 2D Sonic games are even more simple to control than Mario's 2D games. Indeed, it can sometimes feel like all you have to do is hold right, and the game kind of plays itself. All three buttons on the face of the Genesis controller do the same thing, make Sonic jump. But this isn't just any jump. It doubles as a movement mechanic and an attack. This duality is part of the risk and reward aesthetic that drives the Sonic series. You must put Sonic in dangerous positions in order for him to deal out damage. Mastering how he bounces off enemies is another important tenet of its 2D play. It can be unpredictable, sending you flying into another enemy or careening off a ledge. When you master this mechanic, you can continually bounce off some bosses and defeat them in seconds. That's basically where the gameplay mechanics end in the 2D Sonic games. You must only worry about a single button, and what's left focuses on his speed. His main move is curling up into a ball when running at high speed. It allows him to plow through enemies and obstacles, but it also takes away some control of movement. Past the first game, it graduates to the spin dash, which lets Sonic quickly build up speed from a standstill. It's much more useful, and serves as a reliable tool for finding secrets. Sonic Adventure's 3D gameplay takes more cues from his early 2D games than from Mario 64. On the surface, it duplicates the mechanics and the feel of controlling Sonic in a full 3D space. While even the 2D Sonic games have zones where you can run into the screen in a pseudo-3D style, the fluidity and speed of Sonic Adventure just feel right. He also gets some new moves for his 3D debut, with the most prominent being the homing attack that lets him ricochet off enemies and traverse gaps. Manually aiming Sonic in 3D space for each subsequent jump is unrealistic, so there's a very strong lock-on mechanism that essentially teleports him from one object to the next. You just have to keep smashing that button. He can also dash along rings after fully charging a spin dash, and overall, the new mechanics blend in with the ideals set forth in two dimensions. Ready! However, Sonic's 3D movement just doesn't feel right in a lot of instances. It's difficult for Sonic to maintain speed unless he's running straight ahead. And while the homing attack is essentially automatic, there are still some precision jumps to be made. Since Sonic doesn't have much air movement, there's not much margin for error. No! The camera fails to keep track of Sonic, and controlling it manually is slow and clunky. It's telling that the places where Sonic Adventure feels the best to play, are where it's essentially playing itself, running straight ahead, chaining speed boost pads to make quick turns, and homing attacking chains of enemies. In this way, the transition from 2D to 3D is ironically kind of faithful. If Sonic's controls are iffy, some of the other characters play outright badly. Knuckles in particular shows off just how terrible the camera truly is, while Amy's hammer can bring her to a standstill at the worst time. Sonic Adventure 2's gameplay is a huge improvement. Once again, thanks to its less is more approach, the camera is both a lot easier to control and a lot smarter in general, even in the treasure hunting levels. Sonic and Shadow's movement and jumping feel a lot more responsive. Meanwhile, there are a lot more on-rail segments where manual control is de-emphasized. Sonic Team has also figured out that the homing attack chains are the most rewarding part of the gameplay and include a lot more of them. You are often grinding on rails or dashing through ring chains, and while it does feel like control is taken away, it's for the betterment of the overall experience. Both the design changes and camera improvements help a lot as you search for emerald pieces with knuckles and rouge. The lock-on mechanic is improved for Tails and Eggman's shooting stages, but you can still defeat most bosses by spamming the shoot button. In recent years, Sonic's 3D games have mostly focused on boosting through zones. As you collect rings and defeat enemies, you gain boost power that you can use to maintain top speed and smash through obstacles. The homing attack remains, and you also have a quick step to dodge obstacles and maintain speed. At this point, the series' gameplay has settled into a competent 3D rendition of the Hedgehog's 2D escapades, at least when you're playing as Sonic. The support characters remain to pad out the experience, and they continue to be the weak link in Sonic's 3D video games. Sonic has a reputation for pushing the Sega Genesis to its limits. Even in the original Sonic the Hedgehog, the vibrant colors, sprites that simulate 3D depth, and detailed backgrounds stand out. However, it's the extensive animation that really helps the varmint become an icon of 90s attitude. Whether he's running fast, spinning in the air, or even pushing a box, Sonic's moves truly bring his pixels to life. In his second 2D game, it's the special stages that truly steal the show. As mentioned earlier, these bonus levels simulate a 3D environment as Sonic and Tails collect rings while running down a half pipe. But the world is not constructed of polygons. The illusion comes from stitching together a lot of images at relatively high speed. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 makes another massive leap in complexity. Backgrounds and foregrounds are more detailed, and it includes a bevy of new visual effects. The special stages continue the attempt at mimicking 3D as Sonic runs around trying to touch blue spheres. It looks great but Sonic 3 pales in comparison to the original vision for the game, what would become Sonic 3D Blast. This isometric entry pushes the Genesis to its limits, with actual 3D models and an opening CG movie. Sonic Adventure will always be one of the first standout games of the 128-bit generation, thanks to the power of the Dreamcast. There is a lot going on in its 3D environments, yet the engine can handle it, and make sure Sonic's trademark speed is never sacrificed. However, the overall presentation hasn't held up nearly as well as the pixel art on the Genesis. You've been watching the 2011 remaster running on PC, which cleans up the character models, outputs in high definition, and increases the draw distance. However, a lot of background elements like buildings and vehicles remain untouched, and it can be jarring. It really stands out in cutscenes when the touched-up character models appear in frame at the same time. That girl is such a pain. Sonic's charisma also takes a hit in 3D, as the fun, boisterous animation from his 2D games has been completely removed. You mostly see him from behind, which eliminates his iconic Mohawk silhouette, and often makes him look like a random character with blue dreadlocks. Ouch! Recent 3D releases have fixed nearly all the graphical issues we've just mentioned. But there's no denying that Sonic's visual transformation into 3D has come with some bumps and bruises, while still staying true to the franchise's visual identity. The explosion of rings when Sonic takes damage is perfect. The way the bumpers, enemies, and tracks are modeled is faithful. The coloring and themed zones are generally right on point. If there's one major complaint, it's that Sonic's patented attitude and personality lose some of their punch. I guess all kinds of things show up when your neighborhood turns into a desert. The Genesis technically has limited sound capabilities when compared to the Super Nintendo, but that doesn't hurt the soundtracks in Sonic's early 2D games. Like all music, it's almost always more about the songwriting than the sounds being used. Accomplished J-pop artist Masato Nakamura is behind the soundtrack to the first two games, and overcomes the console's lack of concurrent sounds with catchy hooks that embed into your brain forever. These electropop soundtracks cover a wide variety of tones, even if some of those tones are essentially raw computer sounds. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 features a variety of composers, including an alleged uncredited contribution from Michael Jackson. The sound of the music is richer overall as the composers have mastered the Genesis sound hardware, but it fails to take advantage of the dynamics that MIDI-based sound can provide. With Sonic's move to 3D, his games are now stored on massive discs capable of holding hours of music without much compression. For this next era of Sonic games, Sega taps composer Jun Senoue to lead the charge. His credits on Sonic 3 and Sonic 3D Blast are precursors to his extensive work on both the Sonic Adventure games and more over the past two decades. Thanks to him, Sonic games are now known for their guitar solo-heavy soundtracks that some have affectionately coined butt rock. He even performs many of the heavier songs with his own band, Crush 40. The tunes are very catchy and have become staples for fans of video game OSTs. But again, they are static tracks that do not ebb and flow with the in-game action. I ain't gonna let it get to me, I'm just gonna huh? Sonic Adventure introduces voice acting into the series, but it's generally horrible. Froggy, is that you? You're looking kind of weird, good buddy. The voices mostly fit the characters, but the performances feature unnatural pauses and can generally be annoying thanks to high-pitched voices and cheesy writing. Weird. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, the Chaos Emerald. Perfect! The sound mix also sounds off, and in general, it's a really rocky debut that sounds like amateur hour. No, 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 I'll take care of the police while you try and find a way out of here. Find it. Things do get better in the recent 3D Sonic games, but Sonic Team has learned over time that less can also be more when it comes to talking animals. You need to find that thing, and fast! Sonic's transition from 2D to 3D comes with more challenges than most video game franchises. His old games are known for speed and attitude, things that are hard to translate in the crude reality of early 3D. Even two decades later, fast, precise 3D platforming still isn't something that's easy to create or common enough that you can learn from the mistakes of others. Sega has eventually succeeded with Sonic in 3D as it's employed its addition by subtraction strategy, though some will argue it can go even further. Sonic Team's penchant for padding the 3D Sonic games with extra characters and modes often keep them from obtaining top shelf status. Meet my newest recruit. This butts heads with the idea that Sonic is a self-defeating proposition in 3D. The faster the rodent goes, the more assets need to be created to make sure the game is of a viable length. In the last couple decades, there have been some dark times for the Sonic franchise in 3D that have convinced fans that 2D is still the way to go. But when everything comes together and Sonic is blazing through colorful landscapes, dishing out justice with his homing attack and bouncing off bumpers like a pinball, everything clicks. And it feels like he's made the move to 3D with style, grace, and most importantly, speed.